Welcome to Gospel Mission Church's message podcast. We pray that God will meet you in this time with a fresh revelation of His love for you and that you will be challenged to align with the amazing plans that God has waiting for you. Here's this week's message from Pastor Claude. Celebrating uh, Love the Valley this weekend coming, it makes, I believe, 16 years that we've been doing Love the Valley. It's a great event for us uh, as a church, and it's an important event where we come together and we love the valley. At one point, we did it twice, uh, twice a year. For a few, few years, we've, we've done that. Now we have it only in the spring. It would be amazing for you to join. Um, like also when Brenton was talking about our community lunch and supper, not lunch, supper, is that we want to serve our community. We want to be there. Uh, for a community, and there's so much to do, and that's just a drop in a bucket, but we want to make a difference, and, and, and I want you to be aware that I believe this is what God wants to do through GMC, for us to be more out there, for us to reach our community uh, in different ways. Uh, uh, we, have, we, we are also doing it with uh, uh, Care Portal, where we uh, help to meet the needs of the community when they have specific needs. And also, we've hired a young man, Dave uh, Mortens, to to uh, serve the church twice, uh, two days a, a week, so that we would be more focused on our community and, and and our region. So, so I believe it's a big deal for us to to be involved in our community and for us to love our neighbor. And I'm starting this series this morning, love our neighbor, and. Um, and so what we want to do is we want to be there for those that are around us. I believe that's the main, the main calling that we have, to go and make disciples of every nation. Um, some of you, you know a bit my background, and I have talked about um, my background. And uh, my parents were Unilang French. They only spoke French. And uh, my mom was from a family of 21. My dad was from a family of 17. And uh, they were they were raised in in in, uh, in farms, little little uh, personal domestic farms, and um, and they they they've missed a lot, right? Like my my dad would tell the stories of of the good old days, and he would say there's nothing good about the good old days. It's just lot just lot of suffering and, and misery of of eating for him. Like to have to eat was uh, uh, was. Hey, an event, right? Basically, and to have bread with uh, with uh, a spread of fat on it was a good meal. And uh, so when when they when they, uh, they got married in '51 and then wanted to have a family, they had in mind that we would never lack food. And when I grew up, my fridge was always em- was empty, always full, not empty. And my mom didn't was not too keen of having bread on the table because it's a filler. She didn't want us to eat bread and, and have fillers because she was raised with fillers. And, and one of the things is she did grade three and she had to, to work after that, grade three, and she had responsibilities uh, in grade, for grade four, so she had to quit school. My dad stopped school in grade six. His heart, his, his heart desire was to be a doctor. He was very smart in school, but he had to uh, leave the school and go work for the farm and and so, so they passed on to us what they didn't have, right? They wanted us to have an education. They wanted us to be well-fed. And they did a fantastic job when it comes to that. I think that's just organic, right? I think that's what parents do, and that's what parents should do. 
And, but I, I think it's the same thing when it comes to our faith. What happened is that we experience Christ on an awesome level, and there's such a great Christian heritage in this community, in this region. And, and one of the dangers is that as we get older and as we move on, we forget. We forget the mission that we're on. We forget that there's people that are in need of the gospel and, and, and people that are, um, they need to be encountered by Jesus. And, and I believe that's one of the mandates that we have. Like we receive freely and, and the Bible says that we should give freely. And, and we don't want to be caught in the place where we take care of our own business and we live only for our lives. And we forget that amazing mandate and calling that we all have uh, to reach our neighbor and to minister to people that are around us with the love that God has given us. And there's so many different needs, right? You look at the landscape of our nation is, is changing with, with immigration. And uh, I believe God is sending nations to, to us. And, and I believe that God wants us to place ourselves available. And I believe, I'm saying lots of I believe, uh, I believe this is what God wants to do through GMC to have an outward focus and to look at the needs and look at uh, the fields and, and respond to the calling of God when it comes to, to that. And, and if you have your Bible, take a look at Luke chapter 10, verse 25. And this is where we find this, um, this, this phrase where uh, this religious leader or this scribe asks Jesus, who's my neighbor? And it's in the context of the story of the Good Samaritan. And if you look at Luke chapter 10, verse 25, it says, On one occasion, an expert of the law stood, um, stood up to test Jesus. And he says, Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? And what is written in the law, Jesus replied. And how do you read it? And he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. And you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. And, um, and then verse 29, it says, but he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, who's my neighbor? Who's my neighbor? And Jesus tells a story of the Good Samaritan where there's a Jew that left Jerusalem to go to Jericho, and Jerusalem is, is the place where God dwell, and Jericho is the place where you have more broken people and sinners. And so you got this Jew that is on his way down to Jericho, and he got mobbed, left half dead, and then Jesus tells the story that there's a Levite that passed by and didn't look at this guy that was half dead, a Jew of his own nation that was basically half dead. And then you have a priest that passes by and doesn't do nothing. And then you have a Samaritan that passes by. And the Samaritan, they were not loved by the Jews. They were half Jews. They were, they were not part of the promise according to the Jews. And you got this Samaritan that stopped for a Jew. And what he did is he took care of him and he brought him to an inn. And he gave, he gave the innkeeper uh, enough money for two weeks of taking care of this guy. And he says to, uh, to the guy at the inn, hey, if there's uh, more needs, I'll come back. You know that I'm passing here all the time and just put it on my tab and uh, take care of this guy. And so Jesus is talking to this religious leader that should know better, and he says to him, your neighbor is the people that you meet every day, people that are around you that have needs, people that are going through whatever they're going through. And it's important for us to understand that's the calling that we have. When we look at the gospel, in the center of the gospel, the heart of the gospel it's about reaching people. Would you agree? Well, Jesus said that he didn't come for those that were healthy, but he came for those that were sick, right? 
And, and so Jesus' mission was to reach out and love on people. That was his mission. And, and, and when we look at the story of the gospel, it has a tremendous focus on the broken and on the lost that we were once also. And, and the, the challenge that we have for us as believers is to realize that how much we were loved, God wants to love others through me and you. And it's important for us to, for us to cap, capture that and take a hold of this truth. Because it's so easy just to go through life. It's so easy to take care of business. It's so easy just to go through the motion and lose track of the mission that we have and the calling that is on me and you. And, and so, so when it comes to loving our valley and loving our neighbor, we have to realize that this is what God wants to do in our lives. And, and Jesus it takes another story of Luke chapter, in Luke chapter 14 where he talks to the people and, he, and he's invited by a Pharisee for supper and, and he says, hey, um, you, you like to bring your friends and your family and, and those that are uh, socially well positioned. That's pretty amazing. But he says, um, if you want... If you want me to recognize you, is I, I want you to invite the cripples in your house. I want you to invite the poor. People that are not from your social status and people that are not like you, I want you to invite them into your home. That's a little bit challenging, right? How many of you, you like to have your family over? Or you like to be invited for your, to, to your family the supper because you don't have to prepare it? Even That's even better, right? But we like to be with our families. We like to be comfortable. We like to be with friends. And Jesus pushes things a little further and makes them uncomfortable. Did you know that Jesus is good to do that? To make us uncomfortable. And he says, bring people that are not like you into your home. I don't know. That is, I find that challenging. The question I had is, when is the last time I've done that? And maybe a question I can ask you, when's the last time you had a stranger in your home? When is the last time you had someone that is not like you, that has uh, maybe a different background than you and has a different story and is going through things that you're not going through and you have them in your home and you're preparing a meal or you're sitting on your deck and you're just giving them focus and you're giving them your heart. When's the last time that that has happened? Wow, eh? I know I'm kind of challenged when I look at this story in Luke and I say, God, give me your heart. Give me your mind. Realize, make me, help me to realize by your Holy Spirit the mission that I'm on and the calling that I have in my life. So you see that in the life of Jesus that it was very evident. And this is why he came. He came to die for those that were broken and lost. And that's the heart of the gospel. And the church cannot, li- cannot forget or dismiss the heart of the gospel. Would you agree? We cannot dismiss it. We cannot push that aside. We cannot have another agenda than that. The agenda of the church is broken people and lost people. That's the agenda of the church. That's what Jesus focused on. And you look at the Apostle Paul, if you have your Bible again, look at Colossians chapter 4 verse 2. And there's a ton of verses I could have used this morning just to talk about who's your neighbor. And I just want to read a few. And, and we see it in the life of Peter and, and the life of Paul here. And Paul's primary goal when he writes his epistles is to, 
It's focused on behavior, to be like Jesus, how to conduct uh, yourself with others in the church. And, and he teaches uh, principles of discipleship. But, but what we find as he teaches principles of discipleship in the church, we find his heart. And listen, his heart was all about the lost. His heart was about reaching others with the gospel. And you f- look what it says in Colossians chapter 4, verse 2. It says, devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. Okay? He says, don't lose sight of what's a priority here. Devote yourself to prayer, being watchful and thankful. And he says in verse 3, and pray for us too that God may open a door for our message so that we may proclaim the mystery of Christ for which I'm in chains. Verse 4, pray that, that I may proclaim it clearly as I should. Be wise in the way you act toward outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. Let your conversation be always full of grace, seasoned with salt, so that you may know how to answer everyone. But if you look at verse 3, pretty amazing when you stop and, and read verse 3. It says, and pray for us too, that God may open the door for our message so that we may proclaim the mysteries of Christ for which I'm in chains. What really gets my attention in this verse is that he's not praying for God, he's not praying, he's not asking prayer for his chains to be removed. He's not saying, hey guys, pray that my chains would be removed, but pray that God opens the door for the gospel. Priority number one. You see? That was his first priority. For sure, did he want it to be free? I would think so. But that was not his priority number one. That's not why he lived. What he lived for was to see the gospel being preached. So he's saying here, he's saying, you know, pray that God would open doors to, to, um, uh, for me to preach the gospel. And he goes a little deeper and he says, pray that I would be precise in that message that I'm called to preach. And, he, and he's the one that wrote Romans. And you see the message that is very clear in Romans of the gospel. And why is he saying this? He's saying this because he realizes his priority number one was to reach people. It was more important than his own physical state. When I see this, I'm captured in my heart. Something happens in me. I'm reading this, I was reading this, and I'm just caught inside because I say, if I would have been in his shoes, what would I pray? What would I ask people to pray for? Set me free from prison or open the door first for the gospel to go forward? Actually, I wasn't too sure what I would pray. And I say, God, change my heart. Like, we had the chance to go to Europe and we went to uh, St. Peter Basilica and we wanted to go see uh, the church in Rome. And we're there, and we say one morning, let's go. So we head our way, and we go to the square, and there's a sea of people, like literally a sea of people. We're looking for the line to get in line to go in. We couldn't find it. Literally, we could not find it. It was just people. Uh, my estimation at first was 7,000 people, 5,000 people. It happens every day, every day. And so we're there, it's full of people, and we're looking for the line. We're asking people, is this the line? No, no, is that, this is the line? We can't find the line. And so finally, after searching a while, we found the line. And then we see, I look, I'm looking at the sea of people going to see a church. Some are going for the artwork, but I know there's a ton of them that are looking for spirituality. And I'm in line, and I've got this couple that are in front of us that are from England. 
And so we have two and a half hours to wait because we waited wait in line for two and a half hours. And so we finally talk about our faith. And, and she tells me or that she's a prodigal. She walked away from the faith. And she's not following Jesus anymore. But, but then I asked her, so you have a spiritual need. There's a, there's a void inside of your heart. And she looks at me straight in the eyes. Got a void. I need God in my life. And, and then we talked, and, and we sowed some seed in her life and in that couple, and it was amazing how God placed me there, right, for that couple at the perfect place, perfect timing. And, and the reality is when we look at our world, we think that they don't want the gospel, or we think that they're not interested with the gospel. You know, they were created with a hole. And the only, the only thing that satisfies, meets that hole is, is the gospel. We, we live in a confusion when it comes to gender in our society. What's a man, what's a woman? It seems there's confusion about that topic. You, you, you see people that they don't know where to go. They, 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 they try to fill the void. They want to be recognized. They want to be seen. And, and the reason why this happens is because there's a hole inside of the heart. And it's only God that will satisfy them. I don't know if you watched the movie Jesus, Re- Jesus Revolution. It's about the hippies in the 60s and the 70s. I just missed it, okay? I was born in mid-70s, mid but, but how many of you were, you were part of the hippie movement? <laughs> a few of you, right? Uh, I say that my son Josue with his long hair would have fit very well into that. <laughs> and uh, when you look at the hippie movement, it was about peace and love and there was such an emphasis on drugs. And the reason why that generation was there is because they came out of the Second World War. Everything was focused on the industry. Everything was focused on materialism. And at the same time, you had war that was happening in Vietnam. And that generation was saying, there must be more. There must be more. So then they wanted to have peace and love. And they wanted to have highs. And they wanted just to experience life because what's the point? If there's no end to this, what's the point? Let's get high, let's party, just live for the now, right? But did you know that in that season of the hippies, this is the greatest revival that we've seen in North America so far, is when they came, many of them came to the Lord, because they had this void inside of them, and they thought by sexuality, drugs, and freedom, it would fill the void, but it didn't. And when I was watching the movie, I was hit by what was happening in my society, in my generation, in my world, and I realized it's the same thing. People are trying this or trying that, and they're lost, and we look, at, we look at the stuff and we say, what's happening? They have a hole in their hearts that only Jesus can, find, can fill like we can sit on a judgment seat and point the finger and see how the world, how ugly the world is. It is, it is ugly. But the people are searching and people are in need of the gospel. They're just looking at the wrong places. And we, like we have the solution. We have this amazing gospel. 
we have this amazing message that, that brings redemption, that brings freedom. And, and I believe that we need to see God stir our hearts up with the mission that we're on today. We could look right now at this world and say how bad it is, how ugly it is. Or we can look at it and say what a time for us to bring Jesus and to see Jesus shine. I look at when the Apostle Paul wrote this, when, when he wrote Colossians. It was not a piece of cake to, to live your faith. It was, there was a lot of challenges and a lot of, a lot of issues to deal with and a lot of pressure, a lot of persecution. But there was this desire in his heart to follow his mission that was to reach the loss. And if you, if you, look, if you look a little further more, in verse 5 it says, Be wise in the way you act towards outsiders. Make the most of every opportunity. What he's saying first, he says, Are you drawing, them, are you drawing the people closer to God or are you pushing them away? That's what he's saying. Make sure not to push away the people from God. And then he says, make the most of every opportunity. Listen to that. Make the most of every opportunity. To talk about yourself. To make money. Or to reach others. Nothing wrong to tell your story. Nothing wrong to make money. But why do you exist? Why are we here that's a very good question, right? Why are we here? We're here to be ambassadors for him. And that's what he's saying. You have time ahead of you. We all do. And we have to realize that this time it's planned by God for him to use us, to work through us, to minister to people. Like Brian will talk next week on Acts chapter 1, verse 8, where it talks, you'll be filled with power and the Holy Spirit will come upon you and you'll be my witnesses. And we, we are aware that it's not something that comes up only for myself. It is, it's by the Holy Spirit. But I, I need to be aware of my world. I need to be aware of the situation or the, the place I'm living in, the time I'm living right now, and realize that God has a plan and, and God wants to work through me and you. And, and I, can't just, I can't just push that aside, you know? I can't just, just say, oh, I'm just going to live my life. I can't do that according to the gospel. Look what it says in verse 6. It says, let your conversation be always full of grace. Season with salt so that you may know how to answer everyone. It says full of grace is that you talk with an unbeliever. You're full of grace, but it's seasoned with salt. It's not compromising the truth. You're full of grace. You love on people. You don't judge, you don't tag, you don't, you don't classify people, people groups and all that. You don't do that. You show grace, you show grace, but season with salt, right? Because the gospel is the way and the way to live. We, 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 we look at how, to ha how can you have the best life ever? It's to live the gospel, Right? It's to live God's ways. This is how you'll have the greatest life. It's, it's to live God's ways. So, so we have a story to tell. We have a message to share, right? I, I look at Peter in his epistle. He gives us the reason why Jesus is not back yet. 
Why is Jesus not back? The church was going through persecution. It was not an easy thing to follow Jesus. You think about the year 70, the temple was destroyed, and it was chaos in Israel. This is where you have the diaspora, where you see all the Jews leave because they were not allowed to stay there anymore. They had to go. It was horrible. That was written a little before that, but the thing is there was persecution on, uh, 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 in, in, in the life of the church, and so people were hoping that Jesus would come back. Like, hey, Jesus is going to come back. He's going to free us. Can't wait for Jesus to come back. And this is where Peter talks to the church, and he says them why he's not coming back. And he's not saying that the reason why Jesus is not back is because all the prophecies are not fulfilled. And we know that the prophecies need to be fulfilled for Jesus to come back. But look what he says. The Lord is not slow in keeping his promises. He said he's going to come back. He's going to come back, as some understand slowness. He says, he's patient with you, not wanting anyone to perish, but everyone to come to repentance. But the day of the Lord will come like a thief. He continues to say, it's going to, be, it's going to happen one day. But if here it says why he's not coming back. He's telling us the reason why Jesus is not coming back now. Like, the spirit and the bride says, come, Lord Jesus. Like it says in the book of Revelation, chapter 22, it says, verse 17. It says, the spirit and the bride says, come, let everyone who hear this come. And then he says, let anyone who is thirsty come, let anyone who desires drink freely come from, from, the, from the, 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 the water of life. And it, 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 like, inside of us, we say, we want you to come, Jesus, because... Your hope, the spirit of the bride says, come, Lord Jesus. And then you turn and you say, who is ever thirsty, come to the Lord. It's, it's like in, your, in yourself, you have a hope that he's going to come back. And we are a people of hope, right? And we know that Jesus is going to come back. And, and that's what we rejoice in. We know that whatever we go through, there's going to be an end. And we know that he's going to come and bring justice. And, and he's going to come as a mighty judge. He's going to come on a white horse. It's going to be amazing. So we have this. But part of her heart says, don't come now. Please don't come now. Please give us another year. God, can you give us another decade? Because there's so many that do not know the Lord. There's so many that are lost and broken. Can you give us another decade, Lord? Please, hold back. Hold back, you're coming now. Oh, we want to see you. We have a hope to see you, Lord. My spirit, my heart longs for you. But God, there's such a mission See, we need to have that, we need to have these two parts in our heart where we say, God, my hope is in you, but don't come back now. There's too much work to do, you know? I had a friend from Quebec sent me a little message yesterday about Canada, to, no, Faith Today, that was this, this, this message about the French world that in North, in North America and South America, all the, all the Western sphere in the province of Quebec Right now, the status are 0.8% or evangelical Christian. 0.8%. A mission field in our backyard. And you look at that and you say, for me, I say, God, give me another decade. Like, give me, like, don't come. Because it's unreal. And it's the same thing in our communities, right? There's such a need of the gospel that is a solution for the world. And so we need to realize that all of us, we have this calling that upon our lives and we want to respond to God, right? I look at what Paul wrote 
in Romans chapter 9, verse 3. It's verses that I can't put my mind around it. Really, it's painful to read. Really, it's really painful to read. He says in verse 3, so I could wish that I myself were cursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, those of my own race. And he says, I would prefer to go to hell and to see not them go to hell. Like, I can't comprehend that. I can't put my, my head around this and I say, God, I, I can only see you do that. And I think about 2 Corinthians chapter 5, verse 14, for Christ's love compels me. And I, 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 I see this and I look at my neighbor and I cannot be indifferent to my neighbor. I cannot just live my life and, and forsake the calling that God has put in my heart and I, that put on my life and on yours. And I look at Romans 9, verse 3, where Paul says, hey, this is what I live for. This is what I live for. You know, sometimes we think that the people are not, they don't need the gospel, but they do need the gospel. And the reality is we're, we're dealing with a reality of eternity, right? In our theology, what we believe, we believe there's heaven and there, we believe there's hell. We believe that to have eternal life is to be secure in Jesus, and we believe that if we don't have Jesus into our life, what happens is that you experience hell. And so when we look at Christianity, Christianity is not just something we live in the now, but it has an influence in eter- into eternity. So the thing is, when I look at this world, I-, I need to realize that God wants to use me to, to sow it. And sometimes we want to be finishers. Like the story I told you when I was in Rome, I, I, I was not a finisher. I did not bring that person to recommit his life fully, but I sown a seed. And sometimes God is just calling you and me to sow a seed or just a water, but it's to be open to the leading of the Spirit and being av- available for Him to do what He does so well. Like when we were, when we went to, to uh, St. Peter's Basilica, on the way back, we were in the subway, and uh, it was totally packed. We were squished on, 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 on the walls. And, and then we, we took a bus to go to our hotel, and Mission Phone was like, it popped. Think McDonald, then McDonald, then McDonald, then four McDonald's. So I started to panic, like, oh no, someone stole her, her credit card, and someone did. And so I'm freaking out. You know what she responded? They, they must be hungry. <laughs> so, yeah, I guess they are hungry. And then she prays, God, touch them. Touch them. And for me, I was just ticked and upset <laughs> and frustrated. And, you know, and, and then you look back and look at my own heart. You know, I'm, I didn't care. I just wanted to stop that visa. <laughs> Stop it, stop it, stop it. So I tried. We were waiting for the bus trying to find a number to call our, our, our bank to cancel the visa. And, and finally, we did it about an hour later. And there was not too much damage doing because the, the tapping stops after a while, right? And so, no, she received a text to say, hey, someone is you, seems like is using your card in a not proper way. And after McDonald's four times, who does that, right? But the thing is, just to tell you the story, just to see how my heart callous. And I'm thinking about my card. <laughs> my wife says, let's, let's pray for them. 
don't want to pray for them. I just want to cancel that visa. Just to let you know that it's not natural or it doesn't happen by itself for us to love our neighbor. We need a dose of God. We need God to come and tenderize our heart and move us on a personal level so that we can love our neighbor and that we can be an ambassador for him. And it's important for us not to lose track of that. When a church loses track of that, it starts to die. And we don't want to die. You know, we want to be fruitful and we want to multiply, but we need to have a heart for those that are around us. That's the call that God has for us, you know. Um, a few weeks ago, I, I went to visit a few churches that um, were growing, and uh, I had a question. We made some appointment with the, the, the leadership of the church. So I'm talking with the pastor. I'm talking about staff, ratio people, numbers of staff, and I wanted to have some information. So I'm, I'm talking to him, and he's saying, yeah, he says, you know, when I hire a staff, I ask this first question. That's the first thing I ask. How many unbelievers are in your life right now? Three. I need three names. And he says, and he said, he said to me, if, if the, the, the staff we want to hire is not able to give three names on an unbeliever, an unbeliever like this, I don't want to hire them. It's kind of shocked, right? Okay. He says, that's our core value. That's why we're here. It's to reach unbelievers. If, if we're not doing this, what are we doing? And again, okay, God. Okay, God. I was with John Friesen, looked at John Friesen. Well, maybe we wouldn't be on staff. You know? So you say, God, come and stir our hearts up. Like we have Love the Valley coming up soon this week. And it's not just Love the Valley. It's not a promotion for Love the Valley. It's way more than that. Is that we want to be a church that loves our neighbor and is there for others. And, and I just pray that all of us, we would realize the calling that God has placed on our lives and, and that we would not just live our lives just doing life, but that we would realize that if we're here doing life, it's because God has placed this calling on our lives to reach our neighbor. Amen. I would ask you to stand. Father, there's so many people out there that are, that are without a shepherd. Like when you glanced at the field and you said that the fields were white, you said they are like a people that has no shepherd. And when we look at our nation, it's a nation without a shepherd. And it shows that it has no shepherd. But you are the shepherd. And you have a desire to bring sheep back into the fold. You're the one that leaves the 99 and pursues the one that's lost. And Father, I pray that we as a church, that I as your son, and for all your sons and daughters in this room, that we would realize the calling that God has placed upon our lives. That this world is in need of a shepherd and we know the shepherd. And so help us, Lord, to draw, to to, to, to befriend, to love people in the way that we care for their soul so that they would have an encounter with the beloved shepherd that's called Jesus Christ. I just pray, Lord, that our hearts would be stirred up and I just pray that in us, in, in our lives, we would see the need 
to place herself available so we can fulfill the mission, Lord. I pray for the next generation, for everyone here, that we would be willing at some point, according to your leading, to leave the nest and to fly so that we could bring the good news. Father, I'm reminded of the Brazilian church where they're sending people all over the planet. Unreal. And I just pray, Father, that in GMC, in our lives, in our heart, we would have a desire to reach out, a desire, first of all, to reach our Jerusalem, Judea, Samaria, and that we would be all over the world because of you calling us and because of you prompting us to go forward. I just pray that you would be glorified. And if you're here this morning and you're not a believer, you came with a friend, you're not following Jesus, I want to let you know that the gospel is for you, that God so loved the world that he gave his son so that you can be reconciled with the Father. I have to let you know that the greatest life you'll ever live, it's to know Father. So I invite you to repent of your sins. I invite you to, to say, Jesus, come into my life. I surrender my life to you. And you're going to see a change happening in your life. You'll see God revealing and speaking to you. It's going to be amazing. And if you're that person today, I don't want you to leave in a hurry. I want you to go to the prayer room and someone will pray for you. And if you need someone to, to walk with you, we'll find someone to walk with you. Because this is what we're all about. It's to see people come to the knowledge of our be beloved Father and experience Jesus on a personal level. In Jesus' name. Thanks for listening. If there's anything we can do to help you along in your journey, email prayer at gmchurch.ca. If you'd like to see what's coming up at Gospel Mission Church or learn more about us, visit gmchurch.ca.